0: Welcome to the Weekly Skeptic, episode 46. I'm Nick Dixon, here with Toby Young in holiday mode. And coming up, the hypocrisy around Hugh Edwards. Stop funding hate, get hateful, and a king gets suspended over pride. Plus, loads more stories, and of course, peak woke. So Toby, last week we did the episode and we talked about the mystery BBC presenter, although immediately after we finished recording, he was then named and wasn't mystery anymore. So then I was going to call the episode BBC Who, which was quite good. Then I called it... Hugh done it, which was even better, but we didn't actually get to talk about Hugh, so the, except it was just in the title alone. So we can now do a quick update on it. And of course, people have seen it, but it'll be still interesting to talk about because really the hypocrisy around it, it, it has been the most interesting thing. The fact that the, the, elite, the new elite have suddenly rallied around their guy, Alistair Campbell writing long threads about his mental health and why Hugh's a great guy and we should all leave him alone. Others like Owen Jones saying the sun are terrible and evil. They've shifted the blame. A lot of people saying it's not illegal. It's not illegal, guys. As if, you know, sending, spent buying pictures of some young person when, of a different sex when you're married to a woman. As if that's like, it's a bit off, isn't it? It's not illegal, it's, It maybe, but it's certainly a bit off. But everyone's rallying around to say that Hugh's a great guy and he hasn't done anything wrong. What did you make of it all?
1: Yeah, no, I thought that was, um, I was quite wrong footed by that. I didn't expect the kind of new elite to kind of immediately start kind of uh, rallying to Hugh's cause and tell everyone to back off and start blaming the son for causing his mental health problems. Um, That was kind of extraordinary. It was as though, you know, they're hoping to save Hugh Edwards's job, which seemed like uh, pretty ambitious to me. I mean, I was expecting him to be You know, I was expecting him to announce his resignation from the BBC quite shortly after his wife um, uh, outed him. But um, no, it looks like, you know, he's now planning to cling on and he's got the support of the kind of metropolitan liberal elite. Uh, Pretty, pretty odd, really, um, considering what he's been accused of. Um, Yeah. And as you say, the kind of defense was, um, uh, look, the police have concluded he's done nothing illegal. Um, Therefore, it's a purely private matter. I mean, They don't make the same defense when someone is accused of Me Too offenses, nothing unlawful, but nevertheless an abuse of power, an exploitation of their position to obtain sexual services or sexual favors from someone you know 40 years their junior. If it had been a GB news presenter who'd been accused of that, but not having done anything illegal, I can't see Alistair Campbell and Owen Jones and Jolian Moore saying, leave him alone, guys. It's really unfair. He's got mental health problems. Come on. Come on, you inhuman bastards. And it was like you know if it was a Tory MP, I mean it would have been a completely different tune. It just kind of you know when when the metropolitan liberal elite claim that the BBC is actually a politically neutral, Organization and it's just kind of a culture war trope. It's conservative paranoia to describe the BBC as liberal, and yet the moment a BBC panjandrum gets into trouble, they all they all kind of rally to their cause. It's clearly you know they see Hugh Edwards as a member of their tribe, thereby proving our suspicions about the liberal bias of the BBC are. Oh, well-founded. But yeah, it was, and the attempts to blame the son were just, I thought, ridiculous. Um, You know, um, the son didn't name him to begin with. They were just, you know, reporting um, a story that had been given to them by a source. They didn't pay for the story. Um, uh, You know, and it it was, uh, there was a legitimate public interest defense, I think, which is that he's a significant figure. Um, His salary is paid by the taxpayer, and he's been accused by the mother of a young person of, you know, abusing his power. Um, so I think it was a perfectly legitimate story, and I don't see how the BBC can criticise The Sun for running the story when the BBC then followed up with stories of its own about Hugh Edwards's inappropriate behaviour towards younger members of BBC staff. Um, uh, you know, so, um, uh, and so supposedly Keir Starmer is, is, is intending to use this as a pretext for kind of um, railroading through state regulation of the press. You know, should he win the next general election? God forbid. But uh, not that it needs much of an excuse. I mean, Labour are absolutely determined to do that and are going to do it willy-nilly. But yeah, I just thought it was just ridiculous to blame the messenger. Uh, This is basically a Me Too scandal just because it involved two people seemingly of the same sex and a member of the liberal elite doesn't make it any less of a Me Too scandal. And if it was a Me Too scandal that had been exposed by The Guardian and it had been about a GB News presenter, you know, Julia Moore would have been dancing a bloody
0: jig. Yeah, absolutely. Several points there. I mean, yes, firstly, I mean, I put a tweet out and I know people love it when I quote my own tweets. I said, if you're not in the club, they'll destroy you for nothing. If you're in the club, they'll defend you no matter what. I think that was pretty succinct. And and as you said, if it was a GB News presenter, the Liberal left would be screaming for his head. And I think we've seen that with the recent attacks on Dan Wotton, which so far seemed pretty spurious. We can't say too much, but so far, but we can imagine how it would be if it was the other way around. And we don't even really have to imagine. We can see. And then Jonathan Pye responded to you and said, if he was a GB News presenter, no one would give an a, a F, and which is completely false, obviously. Uh, GB News is co- sub- constantly subject to various attacks. And we'll get into another attack in a minute. But um, yeah, and the, the, the strange thing is, there's a few strange things. One is the, well, like you say, Of course, this is a story the Sun should cover. Jeff Norcott said yesterday, I did Jeff's podcast. He said, if this isn't a story, what is? And as you also say, the Me Too stuff's all out the window suddenly. That's been trumped by, and John, what's he called? Jonathan Sopel. He was another one sort of saying, oh, you know, it's nothing. It's ridiculous. They wouldn't have dared do that a few years ago because it would have been a Me Too. But now it's, that's gone now. It's purely tribal and it's so temporal as well. It's so, it's like the Schofield thing. He was brave. Remember, we had to call Schofield brave. And I did this, that joke on uh, Comedy Unleashed saying, you know, I, I, I felt bad for Yeah, you know, I got engaged. It didn't work out. I felt bad for wasting two years of this woman's life. Then I remembered Philip Schofield wasted 27 years of a woman's life. And I felt a bit better because it meaning his wife. And everyone went, ooh. And it was like you weren't even allowed to say it. And it was like, he was, so Schofield was brave. And then suddenly with this recent scandal, Schofield was suddenly sort of canceled. Then he came back a little bit. It's like, oh, his mental health. So it's like, we always have to go along with their their narrative. And with this one, the narrative is suddenly Hugh Edwards is a great guy who has mental health problems. So you're in danger of like destroying him there. The sun shouldn't cover it. And, you know, it's not a story. I'm like, okay, what about his wife? What about the me too type aspect? What about the immorality? The immor- immorality is funny because this new elite have no moral code, right? Then They don't follow Christianity, they don't follow anything. So their moral code is just expediency, whatever is convenient in that moment. And in this moment, this is what they've gone with. And it reminded me of Matt Hancock where he cheated on his wife, but everyone was so keen to line up and say, I've got no problem with what he does in his private life. That's all completely fine. It's just the lockdown rules because the lockdown rules are a sacrilege in, in, their, in their little religion. So... We had a similar thing here where actually Hugh, it looked like he might have broken the lockdown rules. So that's the thing you'd be in trouble for. But everything (laughs) else you can just do. You know, everything, nothing else matters. It's just, and I might contradict myself later if we talk about Andrew Tate, because these are the terms they've set now, that it's just purely tribal. And I might even argue we have to just fight fire with fire and just defend our own people no matter what. But that's where we're at.
1: Yeah, I mean, um, I don't think it's that they don't have a moral code. Rather, it's that they're, moral code is very much at odds with the majority of the British population. And th- one way of illustrating this is, uh, do you remember um, Danny Baker? I think it was in 2019 um, when um, uh, Meghan Markle gave birth to her and Harry's first child, Archie. Um, he tweeted a picture of a couple seemingly emerging from a hospital with a, holding hands with a chimpanzee. And um, it was clearly just supposed to be, you know, um, uh, a satirical uh, post about the royal family. It was just taking the mickey out of the royals and out of the fuss that was being made about the fact that they had their first child. And there was no intended racial slur there. It was a completely innocent mistake, I think. But he was fired from the BBC within hours. Of tweeting that, um, and as far as I remember, no BBC presenters came to his defence. Alistair Campbell, Jolian Morn, Owen Jones, Crickets—no one defended him. Um, and uh, and it's because breaching a woke speech code, even unintentionally, is a far greater sin in the eyes of the new elite than you know being accused of paying a teenager. Um, for sexually explicit pictures. That's just entirely a private matter, a contract between Hugh Edwards and this youth. I'm not suggesting he was under 18. Seemingly, he wasn't. Um, that's been cleared up. The police are not going to bring charges. It would have been illegal had he been had he been under 18, but seemingly he wasn't. But nevertheless, he might have been 18, uh, and their relationship supposedly began. They first made contact when he was 17. Um, so, um, but but in the eyes of the liberal elite, um, that's not nearly that, that. That's not a sin at all. But. Breaching a speech, you know, a woke speech code—that's a sackable offence. You know, you can't come back from that.
0: Yeah, exactly. That, that, so yes, it's their morality. With yeah, all sort of sexual things are allowed, but yes, a race, a racial indiscretion is not allowed, even if it's, it's, it's unconscious, it, as you say. It kind of sounds kind of like a, I always thought that's weird. If it's unconscious bias, which is what they attacked him for, they said it's racism, and then people said, well, if it, it's very least unconscious bias. But if it's unconscious then is he even culpable? I mean, it's like sort of strangling someone when, if you're sleepwalking or something. You know, the, it was a absurd claim anyway, that Danny Baker, obviously, his complete innocence was demonstrated by the very fact that he put it out, because you'd never put out something like that if you had any racial thought in your mind at all, because you'd never do it, right? So to me, that sort of, the, the purity of it was was, demonstra- was demonstrated by the fact that he even did it.
1: Yeah. Um, it, this is an illustration of um, Young's first law, I think I've Brought this up um, on an earlier show, but I said when talking about the new Irish hate crime bill, which will impose the most draconian speech restrictions within the EU, possibly within the whole of Europe, uh, and which is currently going through the Irish Parliament, um, I said with reference to that, I came up with Young's First Law, which is the more progressive a country is when it comes to sex and gender the more licentious, the more permissive, the more authoritarian, the more draconian it is when it comes to the policing of speech and language. Mm. Um, And that also doesn't just, seems not just to apply to countries, but also to tribes, to classes, um, to um, uh, subcultures. And so I think certainly amongst that kind of liberal metropolitan elite, what Matt Goodwin calls the new elite, they're extremely progressive, extremely permissive when it comes to your sexual orientation, when it comes to the gender you identify as. They couldn't be more permissive, more liberal uh, when it comes to those issues. But when it comes to speech and language, they're becoming increasingly authoritarian. So, it makes sense from the point of view, from their point of view, that you throw Danny, uh, what's his face, under a bus for, for, for that innocent mistake, but you defend Hugh Edwards to the hilt, provided nothing unlawful took place.
0: Very interesting. They've just confirmed Young's law. That's it, really. Yep. I can't really improve upon that. You're absolutely right. They're the behaving. Tech, so, in, in that way, it shouldn't really have surprised you, I suppose, following your own law, how perverse their behavior was
1: that's true i should have been i should have been better prepared for it yeah yeah I,
0: I just it was just kind of like it just
1: it just seemed like how could how could they have leapt to the defense of someone who's been accused of doing some really quite unspeakable things you know without without determining whether or not he's innocent or guilty i mean i'm not saying you know we shouldn't Extend the presumption of innocence to him, even in the court of public opinion. Um, But you would have thought that you would hesitate before turning him into a kind of cause celebre and a kind of poster boy for kind of state regulation of the press and the destruction of the sun and waging war on the tabloids. You would you would have thought that there'd be some hesitation before doing that and and a kind of you know uh, uh, before finding out first whether he's actually done any of these things. But seemingly, doesn't matter whether he's done them or not, wasn't against the law, purely private matter, how dare the son intrude <laughs> on his private life in this 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 way.
0: Just, yeah, I suppose, just, w- sorry, one thing is they're so protected, so they don't think anything's going to happen to them. And two is that they're just thinking, well, this could happen to me, I'm <laughs> sort of part of the new elite, and my life might not be perfect. So they sort of defend their own in a very tr- tribal way and very sort of self-interested way. And that's, But the other thing that I, I wonder is, do they all get a memo? Is there a group email? Like, is there a WhatsApp group? How is it decided they all say the same bizarre take at the same time? You know what I mean? It's a bit weird, isn't it? Do they all just copy each other? It's quite a strange take. This doesn't matter. It wasn't illegal. The sun is evil. For all, the, for all of them to come up with that take together, where does it come from? Is there a Facebook group? I think it's... <laughs> like a new be. elite wankers. There, there, there could be. They,
1: I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. There could be a Save Hugh WhatsApp group. Um, you know, John Sopel, Alistair Campbell, Julian Morn, Owen Jones. Richard Evan Bacon. Makers, Richard Bacon. Um, uh, uh, whoever writes Jonathan Pye's lines. Um, and, and and they kind of put out, I know, let, let, let's just say purely private matter, no laws broken here. I mean, the, the clearly no laws broken thing, that was important because... Um, Uh, Hugh Edwards' wife didn't, um, you know, go public with the fact that Hugh Edwards was the person everyone was speculating about until after, like seemingly minutes after the Metropolitan Police announced that they weren't going to take, or whichever police force it was, announced they weren't going to take this investigation any further, you know as far as they could tell no crime had been committed and it was immediately after that that um the wife decided to go public and out her husband um so it's <laughs> and from, you can see why kind of from a pr point of view that was the right time to go public you know and and also kind of uh, i think she obviously she obviously i mean i'm not suggesting that hugh's you know mental health problems are invented but it was quite helpful that she was able to say Just after the police had said no crime has been committed, it is my husband, but he's now an inpatient on a psychiatric ward. He has a history of suffering from mental illness. I would ask you to respect my family's privacy at this time. He will make a statement about the allegations when he's in a better place. You know, it, it was it was quite a powerful combination of arguments to kind of you know in defense of of Hugh and 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 try to make his you know accusers and attackers look kind of sleazy and insensitive and and i i didn't think it would work i mean i thought Everyone, surely, you know, th- th- this isn't going to make anyone back off. The things he's been accused of are so horrendous, and he's such a respected figure. He's like the sort of, you know, the, the most highly respected broadcaster within the BBC. But actually, it was very effective. It effectively turned the tables. Um, and the story then became about The Sun and not Hugh Edwards.
0: Yeah, when I saw that, I thought, is that a woman scorned, or is she actually trying to defend him? You know what I mean? Because she she sort of outed him while defending him, but didn't really need to out him, or did she? So I, I sort of thought, is she helping him, or is she going, sod this guy, he's he's cheated on me, and just throwing him under the bus? No, 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 no,
1: no, no. She was, she was, she's. I think, I think she's very much on his side and trying to protect him and trying to save his
0: career. Okay. Because at first, doing, it reminded doing a me a good li- job. Yeah, she did do a good job. At first, it reminded me a little of when someone shared a terrible review of me i'd received as a comedian like this horrible review and they shared it uh, on a post but saying this is really unfair i went to the show and it was good i mean this is terrible but then they shared this awful review of me that didn't need to be seen by anyone and thus far more people saw when i say someone it was constantine but um so <laughs> what thought i'd throw that in there it just reminded me with that but maybe he was he was also helping me um that whatsapp group i do wonder though toby if Owen jones really fits into that because it's weird because the, the far left sometimes do sort of join in with like defending the new elite but sometimes they're they're at odds with them so i'm not sure campbell and owen jones would get on that well Yeah,
1: no, that's WhatsApp. true I, and i don't suppose there wasn't a whatsapp group but it just <laughs> sort of seems that way it's just groupthink i think and one of them trots out the line and then they they all just follow it they thought oh yeah that's a good defense and you know i think alistair campbell got in there early with kind of rallying to hugh's defense you know leave this man alone he's a victim here He's got mental health problems. I've often discussed his mental health problems with him. He's been very brave about talking about them in public. Um, He hasn't hasn't broken the law. The Sun's behaved appallingly. It's a wretched rag. Murdoch, it's all part of Murdoch's uh, vendetta against the BBC. Um, You know, uh, he's a spin doctor by trade. He put the best possible spin he could on it, and it was then just picked up by other people who wanted to defend Hugh in the same gang.
0: Okay, so it's groupthink. It's not WhatsApp groupthink. Um, but lastly on Campbell though, and we should move on, but when he says he has mental health problems, I always think that's fair enough because you did do a, a sort of pointless war that killed loads of people. I just think that's evidence of a conscience, you know, and he's admitted this in his interview with Tony Blair, he did one of his interviews with him. He sort of said, you know, do you ever have dreams about it? He has dreams about it and worries about it. And, you know, it's not that I want Campbell to suffer despite how awful he is. I just think yeah, that's actually normal that you would have a guilty conscience about that. Whereas Blair refused to admit to having any such conscience, or or genuinely doesn't, because he's more of a right. kind of ruthless killer leader. These choices had to be done.
1: It, but, but I think um, Alistair Campbell's mental health issues predate mm. um, uh, the dodgy dossier. Did, did you see that clip that was circulating on Twitter, in which Tim Stanley um, Eviscerates had a crack him on at,
0: Question Time? Was
1: that was that recently, or was that just an ancient That's a while ago, Some yeah, it's a, drug, a while ago, a drug it always goes around. Okay, yeah.
0: And then Campbell says, well, he wants to be careful, because the last person that did this didn't go well for them.
1: <laughs> and people say, who was that, David Kelly? Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, he's going to beat him up in the car park after, but it can get worse. Um, all jokes, of course. Satirical content, Alistair, please don't sue us. You're a, you're a great guy. Yeah, he's very I'm, litigious, too. And I know you love Toby. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> should we move on and do this one, which is... Um, sort of vaguely related because it's the world of TV in a sense because it's stopped funding hate. And I say it's the world of TV because they've been d- determined to destroy GB News as well as the Daily Mail and the Telegraph and others, but particularly they've had a nasty effect on GB News because we're so new, and they've just had a devastating effect where advertisers refuse to boycott because because of this awful group. And then what we learn is that Amanda Morris – Senior staff member of Stop Funding Hate, community organizer, has been criticized for several social media posts, including one where she promoted the phrase, from the river to the sea, a well-known chant used by Hamas to call for the destruction of Israel. And she said various other things that are dodgy and she's uh, 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 that seem a bit anti-Semitic, to say the least. And also, The Telegraph can reveal that Stop Funding Hate is heavily reliant on a group called Ethical Consumer for its campaign strategy and materials. And this is a leading advocate of the boycott, divestment and sanctions movement in the UK, which pushes for the avoidance of Israeli-produced goods and services. So very, very... And when I say she said other things, let's be very clear. She wrote a report in May 21, criticising the media for referring to Hamas as an Islamist militant group, and said that in fact... That disregards that they won the popular vote in 2006. Okay, I mean, so that's maybe not anti Semitic in itself. I'm just, that's factual, but I'm just saying it is what it is. But she's certainly been accused of anti Semitism. And I don't know, is it, can we, does it actually turn out, Toby, that stop funding hate are pretty hateful themselves?
1: Yeah, but I don't think you know that was ever in any doubt was it um <laughs> uh, it, they clearly hate gb news uh, they hate the daily mail um they probably hate the daily express um they hate anyone who isn't a member of their tribe um and they use the um well-worn rhetorical technique of describing those they hate as haters as though only their opponents suffer from this particular sin um and they are whiter than white um but no they're clearly full of bile full of rage full of spite um and uh it really shouldn't come as a surprise that a senior staff member is kind of closely aligned with the bds movement um and evidently hates israel i mean i'd be slightly loath to go further than that um but um defending hamas um that's uh, it's quite hard, I think, to defend Hamas, um, which does use the slogan, you know, from the river to the sea, which means clearing all the Jews out of Israel. Um, it means the destruction of Israel um, and uh, you know, the denial of a homeland to the Jewish people. I think you can legitimately be anti-Zionist without being anti-Semitic, but it's a Venn diagram. And there's there's clearly quite a lot of overlap because if you're an anti-Zionist, you don't think Israel has a right to exist. You want Israel to cease to exist. And, you know, unless you've got a you know, unless you've you've got a good story about, well, what's going to happen to the 9 million Jews currently in Israel if Israel dismantles its borders? You know, um, uh, uh, how are you going to defend them? Where are are they supposed to go? You need to be quite careful if you use a phrase like from the river to the sea, and you don't want to be accused of anti-Semitism.
0: Yeah. Well, Toby, of course, I'm not surprised, but I was just doing my very fair journalist newsreader thing of like, oh, look, this seems like they're a bit they're a bit flawed themselves, you know. I'm being very, very modest the way I present it because I think that's a strong position to just present it like that and just very calmly point out these people are hateful. And I've said on Twitter, advertisers must decide if they want to be dictated to by an organisation that promotes anti-Semites to senior positions. I mean, although actually, I wonder if she'll try and sue me for that. Now I think about it, is that libelous? There's the constant worry now that everything's libelous because I've got like people are trying <laughs> to sue me for something I said on GB News or the or the channel. Obviously, sweets tried to ha- get that done before. But um, well,
1: let's let, let's let's not call her an anti semite Let's call her a militant anti-Zionist.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I did on Twitter though. So do I have to take that down? Uh, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but the point is, this is what really bothers me with all these activist groups and the way that corporations capitulate to them. There's a sort of there's a sort of assumption that if stop funding, it was actually stop funding heat. The, the devil spawn of Stop Funding Hate that said to Grind, hey, Grind, why are you supporting this content? And they went, oh, yeah, good point. We'll, let, we'll withdraw all spending from GB. The fact that they think that's a neutral decision sort of really annoys me because it's, it's not. It's like, you know, you are defending these people who seem to have a massive problem with Israel. It's like, so is that the statement you want to make? Because that's the statement. If you withdraw your funding from GB News based on these groups like Stop Funding Hate, you are defending radical politics Far more radical than any politics GB News espouses, I would argue, because GB News has a range of views and is Ofcom regulated. You are you are basically tacitly giving approval to sort of militant activist groups. This is what I would say. And the idea mm. that you could, it's just sort of corporate safe ESG type thing. No, no, you're making a political statement. So you have to pick. The only problem is what they probably will do now is get rid of stop funding hate, but still not advertise on GB and just pull out of all things. What do you think will happen?
1: Yeah. Um, just nothing will happen maybe. well no I, I think I think that's right I think um one of the ways in which um the far left has um, uh, been winning the culture war um, is by presenting its point of view as you know fairly safe middle of the road not too contentious certainly not ideological just a kind of ordinary common sense perfectly anodyne decent point of view that any anyone with a with an ounce of decency would sign up to and people who oppose it like you know, organizations like GB News and The Daily Mail are complete outliers they're the ones who are politically motivated they are um, hard right far-right, Ideologically motivated organisations, and of course that's nonsense. Um, and they're trying to avoid getting into a kind of having to defend their own particular politics against the politics of those they're opposed to, and pretend it's nothing to do with politics. But they've been very successful in that sleight of hand, and that's why they—that's why they've been winning the culture war. And I think the only thing we can do in in return is just to kind of constantly expose just how political they are and you know whisk the veil aside and make it as clear as we can um that it's not that we're beyond the pale and they're in the mainstream they are actually far more extremist they are ideological outliers far more so than gb news or the daily mail
0: yeah absolutely all right well we agree on that one should we do this one that really wound me up as well This was the Christian counselor suspended after tweeting, pride is not a virtue, but a sin. This is King Lawal, he's called, and he's an absolute king. King by name, king by nature. And uh, I thought it was a perfectly reasonable thing to do. He made a wider point about pride. And he used, obviously, the whole pride month as a jumping off point. Of course, he's a Christian. And pride is a sin, by the way. We promote gluttony these days. We promote lust all the time. And we promote pride. But he pointed out that he saw things that he didn't think were great. He saw images of naked men at pride events, often near children. So he just thought this is not ideal. But he didn't do it from a, a point of sort of superiority. He did it in a Christian sense. He said, when Christians refer to sin or sinners, we're speaking of ourselves. We're not singling out specific people or groups of people as sinners. And he talks about how, you know, we're all sinners, etc. But he did make this point. And shockingly, he was suspended by the Conservative Party, which is amazing to me, and he was cancelled by six other organisations. So he was forced to resign from his job in a nursing and care business after receiving an ultimatum by a different local authority because of his tweet. He was removed as a trustee from an organisation that helps children get access to green spaces and suspended as an academy council member for Weaver's Academy. His local library said he could no longer host a planned surgery at the venue. I mean, cancelled from the library. I mean... It goes on and on, just for saying that pride is a sin. So this shows more clearly than ever, we are in a new world here. The Christian country we had is gone, which I think we all know at this point. But there is a new religion, and you cannot blaspheme against it. And if you do, you will be destroyed and cancelled from your jobs. The Conservative Party, who are fake Conservatives, will cancel you, just for saying that pride is a sin, which it is. What do you think, Toby?
1: Yeah, no, this is, um, as you say, It's uh, we think that uh, we've... We we no longer have blasphemy laws in this country because we've repealed the official blasphemy laws, um, but actually um, we have um, all these unofficial blasphemy laws. And one of them is you can't criticize pride. Um, uh, it's extraordinary. Um, that seems to be the kind of um, that seems to be the strongest taboo at present. The thing you're most likely to be persecuted for if you do. You know there was that story a couple of years ago. Maybe it, was, maybe it was last year, the guy who retweeted the kind of pride flag reconfigure, reconfigured as a swastika. I think um, it was a, a Lawrence Fox stunt and he retweeted it. And, you know, within hours, you know, the police showed up mob handed on his doorstep Um uh, we we had um, we had the, the the mayor of the town in Yorkshire um, who participated in the pride flag waving ceremony um, was criticised by some of his Muslim brothers, uh, apologised and then you know <laughs> and then immediately was pounced on by kind of the progressive militant secularists and ended up having to resign as mayor. And this is another example um, in contemporary Britain. If you Dare to breathe a word against pride. Um, you know, y- you can expect to lose six jobs. I was, you know, this guy was even more cancelled than me. I lost five positions. Sounds like this guy's lost seven. Um, not only has he been suspended, well, he hasn't yet lost his job as a conservative councillor, but he's been suspended and he may well, I'm sure, come under pressure to resign. Um, but you'd think, yeah, w- w- why is the Conservative Party suspending him for, for, for criticizing? Pride. I mean, uh since when was that um, you know, incompatible with Conservative Party values? It's pretty extraordinary. Um we've reached out to him at the Free Speech Union to see if he needs any help, but um I think he's being well looked after by the Christian legal center.
0: Well, certainly since Cameron would be one, so with the uh with the old A-list and all that kind of thing, and as my friend Carl would say, they're trapped in the blairite paradigm. So the Conservative Party now are just a sort of post-blair party, yeah. And and Things like Pride. We see this a lot in the Conservative Party as well, don't we, all there? They've got lots of woke little groups and woke youth groups and all this kind of thing that Steve Baker seems to be involved in. They're just very woke now as a, as a party, don't you think?
1: Well, I think there's, there's, there is there's an anti-woke uh, wing. strain. Yeah. yeah, wing, but it, they're definitely in the minority. Though supposedly um, uh, Rishi Sunak is going to ramp up the war on woke agenda. Over the next few weeks, particularly if he loses these three by elections on Thursday, which um, looks odds on at the moment. Um, That'll be the first time a Conservative Prime Minister has lost three by elections. On one day, um, so I imagine it, 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 the war on woke is quite, from his point of view, it's um, it's 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 quite attractive because it doesn't cost anything. You, know, you really need to pass any legislation to declare war on woke. Um, doesn't cost any money, so I, I can imagine he will um, uh, 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 start ramp ramping up the kind of anti woke rhetoric. But uh, you can't do that and suspend conservative councillors for criticising pride.
0: No, absolutely shocking. Well, we completely agree on that one. Um, this one's even. This one's a very controversial one in a way. This is the Trocadero Mosque. So, as if Aziz, a property tycoon known as Mr. West End, has um, is establishing the three-story house of prayer and Islamic centre inside the Trocadero, which is situated between Piccadilly Circus and Soho. So, they're turning this what was a casino into a mosque, a sort of massive mosque in central London. And if you, this guy's quite an, got quite an interesting past. Um, in 2017, he claimed that his estranged wife was not entitled to his then estimated 1.1 billion fortune as they faked a marriage certificate in Malawi in order to bring an adopted child to the UK. It's quite a good get out, isn't it? I, I recommend that for all men now in the way marriage is just, just try and just fake your marriage so you don't have to pay out any money. Um, they reached an out-of-court settlement. And it, he also was known for threatening to bankrupt businesses forced to close because of the lockdown unless they paid their rents on time in a sort of what was characterized as a fairly sort of hard-nosed and brutal way. Who knows? Hey, everyone's got a complicated past. There's just some things I found about him in the papers. But obviously people are seeing this as a, many people anyway, are seeing it as a sort of symbolic thing. And one of the people actually includes our friend Andrew Tate, the top G, who we'll talk about in more detail later. But he put out this very sort of provocative tweet saying this building is literally dead center in the middle of London's historic center. He says center twice. Amazing news. The only alternative to Islam for the Brits are pride flags as they no longer have any innate culture or patriotism. Allah is the best of planners, and I look forward to seeing the Islamic Republic of Great Britannistan in her final form. Britain will be fully Islamic soon. So take there. Hang on, Toby's got some. Toby's on holiday, guys, so he's, he's, he's dealing with the, the annoying thing it. of having your family having holiday fun <laughs> when you're trying to work. Okay, holidays <laughs> are for work, it, they're for silently working and recording <coughs> things, they're not for frolicking. Getting-
1: I'm getting a lot of criticism for working when I'm supposed to be on holiday. It's, actually, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's like it's taboo now to work when you're on holiday.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. When did that start? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's like, yeah. No wonder well,
1: the country's going to the dogs. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> the 50s had it right. It should, should be like men just drinking whiskey in the day, do, doing advertising copy and being sexist to their secretary and working on holiday. Um, so, well, sorry, Tom. Hopefully, we, we won't do a massively long one, but hopefully they'll allow you to finish it. But what did you think to this uh, mosque and Andrew Tate's tweet about it?
1: Yeah, well, it's, I mean, I, obviously I, I, I don't look forward like Andrew Tate does to Britain becoming an Islamic Republic. It reminds me of that um, Hulbeck um, novel about France becoming an Islamic Republic. So submission. Actually, submission, yeah. pretty Great good book. book. Michelle Welbeck, yeah. Yep. But it, it, it is slightly odd. It does feel like a kind of provocation. Um, you know, um, why do we need a mosque? In the Trocadero, um, of all places, um, in the, you know it's like Leicester Square, um, but um, you know Andrew Andrew Tate I suppose has a point in that um, uh, you know what else what what else does our culture now stand for? What else are we going to celebrate in Leicester Square? And at the same time, you know, it's not as if Leicester Square is a holy place, and so this represents the kind of. Capture of one of the kind of great flags of British civilization by Islamic insurgents—it's um, a—it's a kind of cultural wasteland anyway. Um, uh, well, having said that, I'm a huge fan of the Hippodrome, um, which hosted me and Isabel Oakshot recently um, when we did our our stage show. Um, but um, you know, it is a casino. It's quite hard to be too bothered about this without sounding, you know, borderline Islamophobic.
0: Yeah, I, I do see your point. And that, that's why I was surprised you wanted to do the story. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, it does it, yeah, it's bound to seem symbolic though, isn't it? Whether it really is or whether it's just a property developer doing what, what they do, I don't know. And like you say, I mean, a lot of places are a, a wasteland in London now. I did a podcast on the current thing with a guy called Hugh Wilborn, very interesting guy. And he's living in Vietnam now. And he just, uh, he just found when he came back to London post-COVID, he just felt it was like a desert wasteland. Doesn't really feel like that here when you're sort of pushing past people on the tube, but I, you know there are a lot of boarded-up shops where I am, and it I, it is a kind of a, a bit of a wasteland these days. But yeah, maybe Tate's right. I mean, some people are hating on Tate, of course, because of that. They're saying, "Oh, this is the guy you like." And uh, or Calvin Robinson said something like, "Get back, Satan," or something. I'm paraphrasing, but it definitely involves <laughs> the word Satan. um So yeah, I mean, Tate. I feel like Tate's he's also just prodding people there and sort of tempting them to say and he's sort of saying what you are you are this weak Britain. you have sort of given into islam and it's great because i'm a muslim so he's kind of but he is sort of he's sort of testing people a bit there isn't he i don't know whether you see it as a capitulation or just a bit of property expansion i don't know
1: i find it hard to tell um when uh tate becomes kind of aggressively Muslim, whether he's just doing it to troll people and to kind of confuse the haters um, or whether he genuinely believes it. um, Or maybe that's not a useful distinction in Tate's case. I sometimes do walk through the West End late at night on the way back from events, you know, heading to Tottenham Court Road to get on the Elizabeth Line to get the last train back to Acton. Um, And, you know, it's full of drunk people, you know, vomiting, vomiting, snogging um uh trying to buy drugs looking for prostitutes you know it does feel like the death throes of you know of western civilization so you know um you're saying you'd hard.
0: welcome sharia <laughs>
1: well, I wouldn't welcome sharia but maybe <laughs> maybe cleanse the, the streets maybe, maybe a bit a bit of uh, you know uh, there are a few churches around there but um most of them have been converted into nightclubs or <laughs> apartment buildings um uh so uh you know ma- maybe the kind of recapture of that part of london by kind of uh, the religious maybe it's hard, it's hard to get too worked up about it
0: what you're saying is that one day a real rain will come and wipe all this scum off the street <laughs> you've gone full taxi driver Toby is sort of you're sort of muslim vigilante like one day sharia is going to come and wipe all this scum and filth <laughs> off the street i mean don't you like drinking out in these places though, toby aren't you one of the people yeah. that will be cleaned up <laughs>
1: I probably will be. I'll probably yeah the the yeah the, the headscarf wearing uh, militant will leap out of his Uber and shoot me first. I imagine <laughs> as I'm staggering towards the tube yeah. after a night of heavy drinking with my Tory pals. Yeah.
0: You're symbolic of the decadent West. Well, in submission, I mean, spoiler alert, but the guy basically realizes that it's actually easier for him just to convert or get several wives. You know, yeah. you've got young wives. It'll get funded massively for his academic nonsense by the you know the Saudis or whatever it is. He's like, cool, yeah, this works for me. So maybe that's how it will be. Yeah, no, I
1: think the, yeah, the, the kind of, um, yeah, the disturbing conclusion of submission is that actually provided he pays lip service to his new Islamic masters, he'll actually be able to lead a much freer existence than he can in contemporary France.
0: Right. Yes. Very well back. <laughs> very provocative, very satirical. And speaking of provocative, I got slightly distracted there, Toby, because Lawrence Fox has now, quote, tweeted my thing calling the woman anti-Semitic. So my brain just going, I'm definitely getting sued now.
1: He's signal boosted it. Yeah, no, he's He's just increased the damages she's going to get a hundredfold.
0: Yeah. My forthcoming (laughs) apology. I would like to apologize when I characterize what's her name as anti-Semitic. Although she did praise Hamas, that was just factual. And from the river to the sea, doesn't necessarily mean no, no, no. Fuck's sake. And if I don't do that, they take my house, like they did with Katie Hopkins. That's it. She refused to apologize and they got her house. Yeah, it's a tough choice, isn't it? And I haven't yeah, even got I my think- house yet. The day I buy it, I get sued for this tweet, and I lose my house the first day, Toby.
1: Well, my advice, if she, if you do get a lawyer's letter tomorrow, um, is to delete the tweet and apologize, and in that way, limit your damages. Um, it was C- Katie Hopkins' mistake was to um, double down and refuse to delete the tweet. And so it went all the way and she eventually lost. And it wasn't just the award that Jack Monroe got. It was Katie Hopkins having to pay Jack Monroe's costs. That's why she had to sell her house.
0: That's the good people. That's what they do. They will take your house because they are so virtuous. Um, Well, let's see how that goes. We'll give you updates on that next week. But um, should we move on then and do Tate? We're kind of wrapping through the stories. It might not be an epic episode, but you are on holiday. So I think that's fair enough to your family. But um, this was one where I was getting all sorts of messages about this. Very annoying. Yesterday, I woke up. Now, I don't mind you sending it, to because we have to for the show. But I woke up to, like, several tweets, some quite abusive, some just neutral, asking me what I thought of Tate, a DM. Feel free, everyone, to stop tweeting me and DMing me about Tate. I'm not his secretary. I'm not his (laughs) PR person. I'm not his agent. I just talk about things on a podcast. You can listen to podcasts. You can not listen. You can follow me. You can not follow me. But stop asking me, oh, can you really approve of this as a Christian? That just basically fuck off is my position because I'm not going to, it's not very persuasive anyway. It's never persuaded anyone to try and just tell them that they're, you know, they're wrong to support someone and they're being sort of immoral. If you think that, you don't have to follow him. But what basically happened was he did his interview with Tucker Carlson, which we talked about last week. It was the most popular video ever on the internet. Are you okay, Toby? You keep looking around at your your uh, family Guys,
1: stop moving your fucking chairs it's really loud it's gonna interfere with the podcast <laughs> keep still
0: <laughs> sorry <laughs> you have to cut that bit out <laughs> totally leave that in funny <laughs> um okay sorry uh we're, we're sort of dealing with uh, toby's holiday uh, <laughs> issues post rant there so i was talking about how tate it was the most popular park um interview of all time which Wikipedia then seemed to delete evidence of. But that's a whole other story. Then, of course, people start digging up stuff on Tate, and all these videos kind of emerged. And I've seen them all anyway. people That's the other thing. You don't need to send me videos of Tate because I've seen them all anyway. I've seen every video of Tate for the last 10 years because I was following him before you were following him. So people send me this. Have you seen this, Nick? Yes, I've seen it. And, of course, Tate has said loads of stuff that's not great. He's he, In some of these videos, he's, he's talking about the, the the way he sort of rips off men, basically that he had this webcam studio quite a few years ago now, and the men would give up all their money and they were kind of suckered in. And he's kind of boasting about it much in that way that Jordan Belfort does in the Wolf of Wall Street. Sort of like these are suckers. It's a kind of unethical salesperson, like you're suckers for giving me your money. Now whether Tate's hamming it up for his persona, we never know, but it's still not great. And I don't say that is good by the way. And this is the thing with Tate. It's, it's just whether you think he's worth defending on grounds that he's still on our side of the culture war. And I was thinking about it. It's really, it's, it's kind of like a choice between Churchill and Hitler. Think about Churchill. He did lots of pretty bad things. It, these days, it's he's seen as, I heard some stat the other day that something like only 20% of, of young people or something say Churchill was good. It was, was some like shocking stat. I'm totally butchering the stat. I can't remember. where It just popped into my head. But like young people are convinced Churchill is bad. You've got the Bengal family. I mean, you've got the, what is it, Merzel, Khyber, now you pronounce it thing. But, Kabir, whatever, he actually took out French ships because he was worried that they'd they'd go into the hands of the Germans. So Churchill did some pretty edgy stuff. A lot of people died because of Churchill's decisions, whereas Tate has just, you know, ripped off some men maybe. But you go, he's still better than Hitler. So why I say that is, don't we actually, Toby, have to get really hard-nosed about it? Because Tate, they're they're trying to re-educate kids in schools, and they're saying, Tate is evil. Instead, you know, learn about masturbation at nine learn about rough sex at 12, learn that you're a different gender, go on a path that ends with you mutilating yourself. So the choices are actually, side with Tate, who, uh, who is not perfect by any means, but for young boys is a better role model, work hard, have a nice car, and punch some people in the face in, a, in, a, in sparring, is a much better role model than what I've just described. So isn't it, isn't it that we actually actually, Tate has become this symbol, I'll stop in a second, this symbol, like Trump, Trump's not perfect. He promoted the vaccines. He made terrible hiring decisions. He's annoyingly unclear all the time, and etc. And he's a bit liberal in a lot of his policies. He's a bit of a boomer. But he's, as a symbol, 2016 was very important. And the fact that people had a voice and an, another option. So don't, this is why, ultimately, I still back Tate, despite all these messages I get. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I think that's... I'm not sure that's a knockdown argument in favor of Tate. I mean... I don't see it as a binary so choice you, you support between. Hitler. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> I, don't, I think you've, you've framed it in a particular way there that I reject. I think um, there are. I agree that um, what boys and young men are being taught and the people held up as role models by the authorities um, are. Pretty poisonous, not very good for them. Um, but there are more attractive um, male role models, I think, than Andrew Tate. You know, what about John Wayne? What about Jordan Peterson? Um, what about Nick Dixon? Um, so, uh, I think, I think, I think, I don't think one. You know, just because he is on most issues on our side uh, doesn't mean we have to embrace him um, or embrace the other side. Um, but specifically, when I, I saw the um, the kind of video um, that all the Tate haters were tweeting, which was his interview with Tucker intercut with um, uh, evidence that when he was telling Tucker what it was he was likely to be prosecuted for in Romania, um, he was Minimising his crimes, and uh, so you know, um, uh, and he was, he was, he, he, he was defining the sex trafficking allegation in a way which made it sound like complete nonsense. When actually, there did seem to be a bit more to it. If you looked at some of these documents that the had been had been kind of intercut into the original video, I mean, it just. I think the 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 the, the point people were making is not that. Were you aware that, that Tate has done all these terrible things, or were you aware he's said some controversial things in the past? I think they were specifically making the point that he was playing down what it is he's being investigated and potentially prosecuted for in Romania in that interview with with, with Tucker Carlson.
0: Yeah, that was one point. Didn't you find it suspicious how, and of course Tate said it was a matrix attack, but how all the conservatives suddenly, Liz Wheeler, various sort of ones, Sydney Power, whatever she's what's she called? Sydney something she um all these people were uh, were were suddenly attacking tate at once which i found a bit interesting i mean this is another thing i'm trying to find someone's name it doesn't matter it won't be good podcasting this is quite suspicious i mean the mainstream media one thing that annoys me i've been following Tate for many years so i can you know make my own decisions people when i when i get suspicious when people suddenly say Oh, Tate's evil because the mainstream media has told them. It's the first time they've even heard of him. So you should be suspicious of that already. And then what we have seen now is this video suddenly goes around and all the conservative commentators are now attacking him. And it's like, so now you're suddenly tweet- messaging me because you've now seen this. I just wouldn't want to be manipulated like that. Like I've, I've got an aggregate view of Tate because I've watched him for years and years. So I can form my own opinions and already have. You guys are all just seeing something now and reacting to it and and someone they want you to see that now also that can sound a bit root one conspiratorial like tate say major attack i just think when something like that happens in a concerted way coordinated way or looks coordinated whether it is or not i just say i don't know just 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 engage your own brain but look it's not that you have to like tate i mean tate here's another little analogy for you toby tate is a bit like you know those vietnam movies he's a bit like a sergeant in vietnam who he sort of he went a bit crazy burning up the village and started laughing maniacally. And you were like, I'm not sure <laughs> about this guy. But then again, he's going to lead you into the next battle and you kind of need him. So maybe that's another analogy for Tate. Now, of course, there is a line. If you think about Michael J. Fox in Casualties of War, when he's the only one that doesn't rape the girl, of course, I would be like Michael J. Fox. I know this because I don't have that kind of thing in me. And because I'm not a conformist, I didn't wear the mask. I didn't take the vaccine. So I would always stand up for my own principles, which are probably a lot better than Tate's, which is why people say, why do you defend him? But there is a line where, of course, you would not defend someone. If I thought Tate had actually raped anyone, of course, I wouldn't defend him. But I'm not sure being a bit of a dick about boasting about your sales in the past qualifies. I don't know. I don't know. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. But either way, whether I'm wrong or right, I still don't think it's going to work for people to keep asking me what I think about. Why does it bother them what I think of Tate? Maybe they just want my opinion and because they, they respect me somewhat.
1: Well, I think it, it's, it's partly, you know, people love Catching people out and making them look foolish, if they possibly can, Um, uh, particularly if they're, you know, your political opponents. But um, isn't it also that you know, Tate just has very few defenders, Um, and you are—I mean, can you think of anyone else with your profile? who regularly appears on our television screens, Who has one of the fastest growing podcasts in Britain. Can you think of anyone comparable who's willing to go out on a limb to defend Tate? So you have sort of become his de facto unofficial spokesperson. Um, well, and, Tucker, I suppose,
0: uh, is the obvious one.
1: Yeah, but, but he's not UK-based. Um, but he's, he's, I bet people are, you know, but I'm sure Tucker's getting a lot of people messaging him too, um, saying exactly the same things. Uh, presumably, I mean, just, 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 um, just to inject a note of skepticism about your uh, slightly conspiratorial sounding kind of suspicions about why all these conservative commentators kind of uh, started, you know, tweeting this video supposedly deconstructing the carlson interview all at the same time isn't it more likely that uh, actually it's not because they they're 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 tate haters it's more because they want to distance themselves from tucker they probably all want to kind of continue to appear regularly on fox news so if they can have a crack at tucker that's a way of endearing themselves with the powers that be at fox news that's interesting up, uh, i
0: didn't think of that i think if they were doing that i think it's quite a risky angle because it's not clear that Fox are going to be more powerful than Tucker in the future or, or that Fox will even survive. So I'm not convinced that's what they are doing. I think probably they're just making an anti-tape point and th- they just think it and they just they just commentators for a living. But you may be right, Toby, you always see these things in more nuanced to me and probably more calculating Machiavellian ways that I don't <laughs> even think of because I'm so innocent. But um, you may be right. I'll, I'll continue to take crap from these people, but it's just – I, don't, I would never message someone I don't know and be like, you sure you want to defend this person? I think when people do that, they're actually being egotistical. I think, one, it's never persuaded anyone. If you read books on psychology, that's never persuaded anyone, just trying to tell them directly they're wrong in that way. Two, so that's not the best way to persuade me. Two, I think it's sort of egotistical. I think it's someone saying, look, I'm, imp- I'm better than Tate or I'm a good person and I'm a Christian and you're not a proper Christian. I find that to be egotistical. I, I just I just don't operate like that. I would not message someone. You know, I had someone message me telling me off for defending Tate who used to be in like a far right party, you know, political party. I was like, well, why are you the the, the paragon that I should moral paragon I should be listening to? You know, you, you've obviously done mistakes and now you get to judge everyone else. It's like, no, you should have more sympathy therefore. So I just don't have this in me to be telling people off for you know, you don't have to like Tate. I I overall I've defended him and you know so what I don't know it bothers me maybe I'm not being very coherent though what do you think to this though and maybe I'm being a hypocrite because I say that the left are defending Hugh Edwards and they're they're abandoning all morality but I've also said that we have to fight fire with fire so don't we see if we give up someone like Tate they're not giving up Hugh Edwards and they're not giving up Alistair Campbell they're not giving up anyone So we are giving up, hey, and they're giving up, no one told me, and this is the war. It's a war. (laughs) It's called a culture war. Yeah. Well, I
1: I, I thought my point um, about it being slightly foolish um, uh, of them uh, to just immediately leap to the defense of Hugh Edwards because they see him as a member of their tribe um, uh, without actually knowing what the end of the story is and whether these allegations are going to be proven or not. Similarly, I think it's foolish of you to kind of leap to the defense of Andrew Tate before this particular story has played out because, you know, worst-case scenario from your point of view is that he cops a plea. You know, he, he admits to sex trafficking, to sexual assault, um, to coercive control, um uh, uh you know and 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 gets a, gets a 5 year sentence um it's possible it's unlikely but it but it's possible so it does seem a little bit rash of you to kind of want to defend him before we really know you know um exactly whether these allegations are true or not
0: yeah well, i know you said that before so i knew, i knew you would say that um but few things to that one if he if he really did do it two things if he did if he copped a plea purely in a pragmatic way then that wouldn't particularly mean much if it was just a legal concern and it was the best thing for him to do his lawyers advised him but let's say we could have a world where we knew for sure if he had done it if he'd actually done these bad things then I could go okay I was wrong I wouldn't see a problem with that I mean what's so wrong with being wrong hmm. and just saying okay I thought this and now new evidence has come to light and I've changed my mind what's what's wrong with that? I don't have well, some I suppose if, pride if, about if, that. If, if, as you, say, well, if as you say,
1: I mean, surely if we are engaged in a culture war, then we have to be quite careful about who our generals are, um, who it is we're willing to kind of go to the wall for. And I would have thought from that point of view, it was a tactical error on the other side's part to kind of immediately leap to Hugh Edwards's defense but by the same token because we are engaged in a war and have to be quite careful and don't want to do anything that's going to end up discrediting our cause we have to be quite careful about defending Andrew Tate.
0: Yeah, but is that naive? We're still playing by Queensbury rules whereas they're just playing they're just nuking us. I mean, it's it's all out war. I mean, they don't do this. Stuff. It's like cancel culture. They cancel anyone. And now the right, whether we, whether the right are engage, or whatever you want to call it, the normal people side, I sometimes call it, whether we're engaging cancel culture, I don't know, but the the, the normal side has started hitting back and saying, let's boycott Bud Light, let's boycott Target. And, and we will do these things. These things are necessary, aren't they? And, you know, Do we still say, no, we won't cancel people? And maybe it's not exactly the same because it's more of a rear guard action, but and it's always, a, it's always a question, do we behave like them or not? Because if we, if we behave like mm. them, we, we are in danger of becoming like them, of course. But if we don't, we're in danger of just getting wiped out and losing, then the whole world is just mutilating children. Yeah, I think uh,
1: my view is, I mean, I've often you know, debated this. Um, I think that generally... Um, we should take the moral high ground. We shouldn't descend to their tactics. We shouldn't try and mob people or cancel people. We shouldn't rush to judgment. We shouldn't deny people due process when they're accused of various sins. Um, I think we have to be better than them. Um, but at the same time, you know, I, wouldn't, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't mind if there was a kind of black ops wing of our side that engaged in <laughs> underhand CIA like machiavellian tactics to discredit some of the tribal leaders on the other side provided it was provided there was a safe distance between us we had plausible deniability
0: maybe i can run that with Tate in the waru <laughs> black ops department that's hilarious <laughs> but but then Toby aren't i actually upholding that because i'm the one saying let's have due process for Tate all these people messaging me are yeah. trying to say let's condemn Tate But he hasn't had his day in court yet. And actually, today, as we record, his house arrest has been extended again. So he's just on this indefinite uh, Mm. purgatory of house arrest. And actually, let's say Tate has done some bad things. Hasn't he also suffered? Hasn't he also been in a cockroach ridden Romanian jail, which is one of the worst jails in the world? Hasn't he been on house arrest? Hasn't this, you know, for this, this entire year, he's been in jail or on house arrest awaiting trial? So he has suffered a lot. So even if you say he's done some bad things, he's also suffered. He's not even getting his day in court. So that's not right either.
1: No, I agree. I agree. Um, presumption of innocence. And I certainly think he should, he's entitled to due process. And I'm not sure that um, he's going to get a fair trial in Romania. But we'll see if they actually do decide to take him to trial. I okay. Will.
0: Well,. That's the Tate bit, obligatory Tate section. And I just want to say at the end, I think my problem is that I'm actually too much of a Christian. All these Christians messaged me, oh, you're not a proper conservative Christian. I think I'm so Christian that I say I can see the good in Tate and in in everyone. I think I'm just, in a way, the ultimate Christian.
1: Including Hugh Edwards.
0: Including (laughs) Hugh Edwards. And even Alistair Campbell. I said I didn't want him to suffer. You know, I thought it was really nice of me, even though, you know, he's responsible, arguably, for, you know, huge numbers of deaths um <laughs> I can, can i say that no I, li- I can't say that can, can I? I argument <laughs> alleg- satirically <laughs> satirical content oh we're gonna have to delete that as well i, I need yeah, to i, I need to know libel laws better don't i, I?
1: I want to be i want to be your libel lawyer because um <laughs> i could buy a holiday home in New York. i wouldn't need to rent a villa on airbnb what
0: do i need to say toby to make sure that was satirical <laughs> content that doesn't count as libel <laughs> Okay, you're not going to help me because I'm genuinely worried now. (laughs) All right, well, we'll deal with that after the podcast. Most of this podcast will be deleted. If you hear lots of bleeps during this podcast, and yeah, that's a lot of work, actually, for our producer to do. Okay, well, those are pretty much all our stories. Do you want to do Birdwatch, Toby?
1: Elon Musk said a couple of days ago that... um Twitter's ad revenue was down 50% since he bought the company. And that's partly, I think, a consequence of American equivalents of stop funding hate, quite effectively um, uh, forcing advertisers to boycott Twitter because it's owned by the far-right extremist Elon Musk. Um, uh, But um, the good news from Musk's point of view is that um, Threads, a Twitter rival started by Mark Zuckerberg, Um, even though it started quite strong, I think it initially had something like 45 million users first few days of launch, but now that's apparently fallen to about half that, which is a pretty precipitous drop. Um, so it doesn't look like threads is going to pose any threat to Twitter, which is obviously a good thing because unlike, well, threads was by no stretch of the imagination a free speech platform. It was like the kind of, um, censored version of twitter um, yeah so i think we, we'd be quite quite happy to see the back of it
0: yeah threads is lame threads is like the new mastodon like hey guys i'm on mastodon now i'm leaving twitter because it's a cesspit right why are you still here tweeting that you know what i mean threads was the new and i was saying to jeff i only went on there to bagsy my name because i always bags my name on any app i've got parlor getter i've got nick dixon gab all i just i just try anyone that might become something so okay i'll just bag magazine Dixon. but then i couldn't he said do, do you want to import your existing instagram and i was like no not really so that was as far as i got with threads are you on threads toby no i'm not on threads no no nah. nah, i'm anti-threads i'm pro twitter we love twitter tweet box as musk is going to rename it all right and he's, he's getting <laughs> done by all these uh advertisers isn't he it's, it's very much the stop funding hate thing again i mean can he overcome that
1: well, his best way to overcome it, as we've discussed in the past, is to turn it into a subscription model. So he's no longer dependent on advertising revenue. But yeah, and he's tried to do that. I don't know whether it's been wholly successful. But um, yeah, I, you know, well, clearly let's not. Hope, let's hope something works because we don't want him to sell it.
0: I know. It's so good at the moment. I mean, it's so good that Musk has taken over Twitter, but it is, yeah, trying to keep it going very hard because the Matrix is against us. Um, OK, well, that was Birdwatch. Alright, so let's have a quick word from our friend Thor. So, Dan Hawtrey, CEO, says, I'm starting to think of Thor as my secret weapon. He has helped me and coached me with running my business, and most recently, he helped me fight through one of my biggest fears public speaking. I was due to give a speech and told Thor about it, highlighting my phobia. Thor couldn't have been a better help. He turned my phobia into confidence and coached me through my speech over several sessions, managing to build on my confidence every time I spoke to him. The speech went amazingly. People laughed at my jokes. They asked loads of questions. And I was even invited to speak at another event. Thank you, Thor. You are a superstar. So to book your own discovery call with Thor, message him on WhatsApp on 7906 321 or connect with him via LinkedIn, which is linkedin.com slash in slash Thor to connect and Thor is of course T H O R H O L T. So WhatsApp 07906 321593 LinkedIn dot com slash in slash Thor Holt. Thanks Thor. Thanks, Thor. <laughs> so now let's go over to Will with our top stories of the week. All right, so I'm here with Will Jones, Dr. Will Jones, I'll have you know, editor of The Daily Skeptic, and as usual, we have some very interesting stories. And this first one, Will, I'm just going to share with you. I mean, you wrote it, but I'm going to share it with you. And this is scientists who denounced COVID lab leak theory as a conspiracy, secretly believed it was highly likely leaked messages reveal. Shocking, Will. Will.
2: Yeah, shocking, as though we didn't see this one coming. I mean, this is an old story. We've known for a long time that these emails and teleconference happened with Fauci and other scientists at the heart of the gain-of-function controversy happened at the end of January, beginning of February twenty. 20 and the conspiracy around that to cover over to suppress the possibility of a lab leak so so old story in a way but new new developments all the time the latest developments are that the new messages new slack messages this time that's an that's an online workplace chat app that work teams uh, use to discuss with one another's forum and new messages have come out uh, from that leaked messages obtained by various people including the mail which is uh, where we've uh, run our story from quoting from them and they show that it was even worse than we realised. The virologists, uh, including Dr Christian Andersen, uh, who's a Danish evolutionary biologist. Um, and who's one of the co-authors of the notorious paper, the proximal origin of, of COVID-19, of SARS-CoV-2, I should say, which was the paper in from mid-March, the Nature paper, that really sought to claim that there was just, in their professional expert opinion, supposedly, there was no, uh, realistic possibility that this came from a lab. And, and what these messages, uh, these new messages show is that Dr. Christian Anderson, one of the authors of that, one of the leading anti-lab leak people that in this and, message. And also the says, author
0: of many fairy tales. Sorry,
2: Christian <laughs> yeah, the, the, what, Hans Christian, yeah, that's an yeah. interesting same name, yeah, a similar name. Uh, yeah, so he's spinning some fairy tales of his own, it seems. Uh, we have uh, here, uh, in these messages, he described that he, he was quite, he's completely clear to Fauci and to his other colleagues that the idea of a lab leak was not some fringe theory, he said. He was really emphatic about this, and in fact, he said it was highly likely the genesis of the pandemic and then these further messages show them discussing how if there was any suggestion that a Chinese lab was responsible either intentionally or unintentionally that it would be a complete shit show they said uh, and threaten future funding of virus research especially gain of function and manipulation research uh, got to be a major concern of theirs this being their field of research something they really care about and so for political reasons they decided to, and it's completely clear in these messages, that they decided to talk down, suppress uh, any idea that it could have come from a lab. But it's completely clear in, in these messages that that is not what the uh, what these many of these scientists in this discussion at that early stage thought at the time.
0: Yeah, and perhaps I was naive, but I always thought, okay, they wanted to cover up the lab leak because of the people who might be implicated in the virus being released. But I, for some reason, didn't make the extra leap and think, oh yeah, the future... Gain-of-function research—they're also concerned about that. Was the extra shocking bit for me?
2: Absolutely, that seems to be their motivation for a lot of them. The uh, these virologists—they're worried about the impact on their field. They're circling the wagons, coming together to protect their field. Uh, An interesting additional development to this was that Fauci then emailed a bunch of people in the U.S. government, uh, including Robert Kadlec, the originator, really, of United States biosecurity, biodefense, bioterrorism-related security. And intelligence uh, operations post 9 and and the anthrax stuff around that. So he emailed them with the outcome of this meeting uh, and to say that uh, many of the people, many of the scientists, these uh, key scientists, think that it might have come from a lab. And Fauci, actually, interestingly, in that email, proposes to uh, the U.S. government uh, that they get in touch with the World Health Organization to set up a, a neutral investigative body to find to work out what what the origin of the virus. Um, is which I mean that did happen but he uh, in this email in that email uh, he says it should be neutral and genuinely looking at where it came from whether it actually came from a lab so it's interesting that was the outcome of the meeting that he wrote to them that we don't see the reply to that but it does raise the possibility that if we assume he was genuine in that we can't be sure of course Uh, there's all kind of machinations go on but if he was genuine in that proposal then it raises the possibility that the reply to that that we never saw was no you mustn't do that uh, we must um, instead suppress a lab leak theory and, and any idea that it came from a lab, and that could have come from the biosecurity people in the U.S. government. It could have come from any of the people on that email. So, in a way, these messages reveal that we're still not entirely clear where the order came from to suppress that. We've always we've all assumed it was Fauci himself, uh, but there is this twist here that suggests that possibly, since he was proposing. Uh, to the US government, that the WHO sets up a neutral investigation that genuinely explores the possibility that maybe that order to suppress it came from somewhere else higher up in the in the, the deep state. Uh, so there's still mysteries
0: around this. Hmm. Very interesting. Probably Bill Gates. Um, I'm, sure, I'm sure we'll find out if you keep reading the, the Daily Skeptic. That was just satirical, by the way. I'm, I'm trying not to get sued this week. Um, <laughs> shall we do this one then? The failings of the NHS can't explain the dramatic rise in heart failure deaths.
2: Yeah, excellent piece of analysis here from one of our regular contributors, Nick Rendell, who has carried on looking at the figures, uh, death figures from the ONS, and found that deaths from heart failure in the in the fifteen weeks from March to June tw- this year, twenty twenty three, were twenty seven percent higher. This is heart failure deaths, so twenty seven percent higher than the pre pandemic baseline. Uh, so so hugely. Uh, hugely higher. The other places suppress that figure by using a pandemic baseline. So including um, the additional heart deaths from uh, 2020, 2021 and 2022. And so bring that figure down, it's still elevated. But if you use a pre-pandemic baseline, then it's um, uh, not including the extra deaths that we've had since COVID and the vaccine rollout, uh, then you get an even higher figure. And he looks at why that might be. A common explanation is the failings in the NHS. The NHS is is on its knees as we know in a crisis not treating people quickly enough and well enough and that's what's causing this elevated level of death but he he makes a very astute comparison to Germany uh, which doesn't have this problem with a health service in crisis and finds there's no difference since after the first wave when Germany had a much for reasons no one really understands Germany had a much milder first wave than uh, many other places uh, including the UK but since then so since uh the middle of 2020 so for the last 3 years deaths in germany have tracked uh, those in uh, in the uk we have we've basically been indistinguishable which basically proves that it's that you can't just pin it on problems specific to England um, and the UK and the NHS. Uh, really strong analysis there, just dealing with one of the proposed explanations for the very worrying level of death. He also looks at deaths from cancer, levels for that, and deaths from dementia and Alzheimer's, so other causes of death, um, and that further backs up his point, uh, because those are trending normally. Uh, they're at the same level. They're not They're not in excess. So it is specifically heart deaths. If, it, if the NHS was to blame, you would expect other causes of death also uh, to be showing a similar uh, similar problems. A really strong analysis and just really shows us that the governments really do need to get to the bottom of what's causing this considerable increase in how often people are dying around the world and in this country, especially since 2021 and regular uh, listeners know is the vaccine rollout and the suspicions around that uh, but these things uh, whatever the cause these things are just not being properly looked into and that one, it sound like a broken record we just keep raising these things because those these trends are still there these things are unexplained the deaths are still elevated it's still going on and so and it's and it's important so we want to keep it on the agenda.
0: Okay well I won't say too much about on because I'm not an expert and I haven't quite completed my medical degree yet This one is more in my wheelhouse because it's about masks, my hobby horse, and its healthcare group calls for return of face masks. Return of face masks now, will and of course it's in Scotland. What about this one?
2: Yeah, the D- Democratic Socialist People's Republic of Scotland, yep, has uh, we have the Scottish Healthcare Workers Coalition who have written to ministers claiming there are very serious flaws uh, in the changed guidance, which uh, was only recently changed, to remove the requirements or the recommendation to, to require face masks in healthcare settings. And they've said that this is this is uh, this is wrong, and that the decision not to enforce this in, in hospitals was playing Russian roulette with staff and patients. Uh, welfare, extreme words. Uh, really, really worried. I mean, we should say that these these are healthcare workers who all claim to be sufferers of long COVID or other post viral illness. So obviously, people who w- worry us about about their health um, in various ways and calling yet again for we've only just we've only just been freed from the tyranny of the masks in healthcare settings. I know masks in the wider community were, were dropped uh, many many months ago, years ago even, and we um, we don't see very many. But of course, in healthcare settings, they they really persisted. And here we have uh, t- tiresomely, yet again, some healthcare workers calling for them to return. Fortunately, uh, we haven't heard any positive noises from uh, anyone in authority. Uh, so hopefully, this will remain just uh, some background noise. But with this kind of thing, you, you just never know when they're gonna, all this safetyism and risk aversion is going to come, come back and these unevidenced and authoritarian measures are just going to are just going to creep back because we know and and of course we know really they're going to as soon as there's any any new virus coming around uh, we know that they're going to they're going to try and bring them back. And it'll be really interesting to see what happens this winter uh, when where there's going to be all kinds of lurid headlines about flu being on the rise and hospitalizations and blah, 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 blah. I and mean, are, are we going to hear these calls again uh, for masks to return uh, this winter? And then and then hopefully, you know, so not hopefully, um, and then and then maybe every winter, let's hope not.
0: Yeah, I still see people with the mask in the supermarket and stuff. The odd one, but you just sort of stare. You're sort of dumbfounded, really. You're just like... Well, the supermarket staff in my settings is still wearing it. I just feel, I mean, nice guy. I'm just like, why are you still wearing a mask? I've just got, it's so mad. But here, the fact that here it says all members have have long COVID or another chronic post-viral illness, one does wonder, is it that, okay, they've got long COVID, so they take it really seriously, so they think we should still have masks? Or is it the kind of person that would say we should still have masks is the kind of person who thinks they have long COVID? I wouldn't like to say because I'm sure it's a, a real thing, but I'm just putting that out there. Oh,
2: absolutely. I've got to ask these. Got to ask these questions. You know, I, I you know, you do. You, do, you just see the odd, the odd person now, don't you? And in when you are in the supermarket, who has a mask, and and it's just, it's just they just they stand out now. It's very, very noticeable. And you know, I in a way, I am really, I am really glad that that's the case. That you know, there was a worries at times during the pandemic that this was going to become like Japan, this, these wearing these masks and covering our faces from one another was going to become entrenched. Uh, but really, now it has become uh, only a, a, a very Unusual, rare sight. Thank goodness. As I said, it will, be, it will be interesting to see what happens come winter and when flu is on the rise again, and and how that affects people's behaviour and the and also the rules, um, especially in hospitals. Yeah, and just, but we've just got to hope, haven't we, that it's. um this kind of masking religion this idea this this clinging to these these useless pieces of cloth that are supposedly protecting them from minuscule microscopic particles that um, that this this attachment to these uh, like a superstition is not going to take hold um, long term
0: yeah and i should just say lastly some of the People may have health concerns, and I understand that. But a lot of them just seem very healthy. But they're just and young. But they're just wearing a mask. Madness. Yeah, yeah. What about this one? Just very quickly, do you want to do this one? The Nobel Physics Laureate, 2022, slams climate emergency narrative as dangerous corruption of science.
2: Yeah, actually, I'll yeah, we'll just mention this briefly. This is another great piece from Chris Morrison, our environment editor, co-winner of the 2022 Nobel Prize in Physics. Dr. John Clauser has launched an attack on the climate emergency narrative and called it a dangerous corruption of science that threatens the world's economy and the well-being of billions of people. Doesn't mince his Words and he says that climate science has metastasized like a cancer into m- massive shock journalistic pseudoscience. Uh, yeah, so really, uh, really, as I say, doesn't min- mince his words, lays it on the line, um, and he's one of of many uh, prominent scientists who don't go along. With the, with the narrative. Uh, often people uh, towards, uh, you know, in retirement, uh, towards the end of their career, so they don't fear cancellation or aren't really chasing the green dollar, the, uh, the money that comes with backing the official narrative. And so are willing to, to speak out against this huge politicization of science, where scientists uh, who should know better are really just pushing a, a politicized, a political agenda and corrupting what the evidence actually shows. We've seen it with the temperature records, uh, uh, where they're constantly adjusted We've seen it with claims about extreme weather, which are supposedly getting worse, uh, when in fact the trends, uh, the actual data shows otherwise, that extreme, so-called extreme weather is not, uh, there are no clear trends uh, in it. With Arctic ice, which is not uh, following the narrative, it obviously hasn't been reading the right uh, scientific science papers, uh, and so it's not doing what it's... Uh, what it's told so there's many scientists and he's the he's the latest and it's great um, it's great to hear them uh, speaking out and just injecting uh, some skepticism and some dissent uh, from that hugely costly narrative which is only going to get more costly um, in the coming years
0: yeah a nice change from the summer of death hottest ever hottest in a billion years summer that europe is currently suffering will all right well great stories as always and we'll catch up with you again next week thanks will Will, thanks nick So that was Will. Toby, do you want to do our second advert?
1: Yes. This is from um, one of our um, uh, regular sponsors, uh, the Stack Assistant. In 1914, the Bank of England was on the brink of default. War was looming and wise depositors were increasingly redeeming their good as gold notes for real gold. Half the bank's gold had gone and the rest would never cover the outstanding pound notes. So the UK launched war bonds, hoping to borrow £350 million, but less than a third was raised. Instead, the Bank of England printed the shortfall and bought its own debt. A patriotic mandate for war was claimed based on this trick, a secret that was kept for over a century. The day of unlimited money and unlimited war had begun. With a fixed issuance money, an unpopular regime can only wage war while its cash lasts. But with unlimited cash, such regimes can fight on until the wealth of all its citizenry has gone too. Sadly, as states from Argentina to Zimbabwe now show, no war is even needed. Corruption and wokery are more than enough for the monetary rot to spread. Bitcoin fixes this. At The Stack Assistant, we offer free advice to help you stack your first sats, as the subunits of Bitcoin are called, and securing your stack into self-custody. Email us on thestackassistant at pm.me. That's the stack assistant, all one word, at pm.me. I have to apologize. I think I said Bitcoin instead of Bitcoin <laughs> somewhere in there. Bitcoin, of course, is the um, uh, colloquial name for Britain's central bank digital currency and is not by any stretch of the imagination the same thing as Bitcoin. It is Bitcoin that the stack assistant can help you with. And you can find the stack assistant on the stack assistant at
0: pm.me. We should have Britcoin, though. Tony Blair could come back and launch it like Britpop. It's like, hey, guys, we need to make Britain cool again. Let's have Britcoin. I suppose it would be, (laughs) but then quite sinisterly, it would be their own central bank digital currency. And... The friendly face of it would be like, "Hey, no we get Blur out an Oasis, and it's it's Bitcoin, everyone." But actually, they're just yeah. you know forcing you to live in a Chinese credit score system. Yeah, yeah.
1: No, the, the, but they'll try and sell it to us. They'll say, "Yeah, the great thing about Bitcoin is we can help you cut down on that excessive alcohol consumption and those carbs you're trying to cut out of your diet." Uh, just send an email to the Bank of England, and we'll stop you being able to purchase more than four units of alcohol per week, and yeah. all that sugar no longer available to you.
0: Yeah, yeah. Britpop was about cigarettes and alcohol. And they, damn, they cut to cigarette. I was looking for some action. And then it cuts back to this. But Britcoin is all about health and, and it cutting out cigarettes and alcohol. You show someone trying to buy them and it just doesn't let them buy them with their, with their Britcoin. Yeah.
1: Britcoin is about keeping you safe, making sure you don't overindulge. Because after all, you can't trust yourself. Trust us at Britcoin.
0: <laughs> You'd be good at those habits, Toby. Totally. <laughs> Yeah, we're good at that. Had one too many? Well... Introducing Bitcoin, the new social credit score, but we don't call it that. They wouldn't call it the social credit score, would they? Introducing the new Chinese social credit score to Britain. That would be the internal, that would be like when Alan Partridge reads Oh, sorry, I think that was an internal memo that <laughs> they read out. Yeah. If you've done
1: nothing wrong, you've got nothing to worry about. In fact, it'll make your life much more convenient.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah. And if you're ever tempted to do anything wrong, knowing it will affect your Bitcoin credit score will keep you on the straight and narrow. <laughs>
0: So you don't have to think about difficult questions like morality and free will. Do you like steak? You'll love bugs. BrickCoin allows you to buy as many grasshoppers as you want. You can now powder them and eat them in a lovely brownie. Why not try our new Hornet sandwich?
1: Only available with BrickCoin.
0: Yeah. Terms and conditions apply. Why not try our new Larvae pizza sponsored by BrickCoin? Um, Tony Blair <laughs> munching on it mm, delicious Yeah, the great thing is this is high protein and I know I'm doing something great for the country Britcoin uh, Tony Blair I was
1: bald before I started eating these Britcoin bugs and now look at my hair
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Britcoin um, what did you say before I went on my Britcoin because I missed it what did you actually say about Britcoin what was your first take on it you said I said Britcoin there what did you say it was oh, I said it was very
1: different from Bitcoin okay
0: Yes, um, it is very different. Yep, yeah. good. I'm just checking that my riff didn't go against what your your information. No, but no, no, no. But thanks to the Stack Assistant, who are the opposite of Bitcoin, they'll never make you eat the bugs. In fact, everyone who uses Stack Assistant eats steak and they drink whiskey and they they kill big game. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they don't do that at all. I don't want to link South A- St- Stack Assistant to that.
1: Once Bitcoin's been rolled out, and you know, you can no longer use cash anywhere um bitcoin is the only way you'll be able to buy steak and a mars bar and you know uh, go on a summer holiday
0: <laughs> yeah that'll be a very simple way to divide the culture war are you bitcoin or bitcoin and will be and the real patriots will be bitcoin even though and the other one will have britain its names so they'll pretend to be patriots like starmer does occasionally i i believe in Bitcoin because i believe in britain you know what i mean so they'll <laughs> be the fake patriots Anyway, that's probably long enough for the Britcoin riff. I just uh, (laughs) wanted to give people value for money. Now let's go to everyone's favorite section. It's Peak Woke. (music) All right, so we've got a great Peak Woke this week. You can tell I'm feeling a lot better than last week, can't you? I got really excited there. I was feeling so ill when we recorded last week, but more on that later because we've got some reviews about it. But let's do a Peak Woke from the Telegraph here. Oh, no, that's the wrong one. Let's not do that one. Let's do... This one, it is from the Telegraph, actually, and it is that the uh, Church of England defends teaching controversial race theory, and this is the white supremacy pyramid. So teachers at Church of England schools in Suffolk are teaching children something called the white supremacy pyramid, and this comes incredibly from a guy called Nigel Genders, who has a perfect name. His middle name is 100, so he's called (laughs) Nigel 100 Genders. It sounds like an American Indian and he's a, he's a sort of the doppelganger, evil doppelganger of Nigel Farage. You know what I mean? But he just talks about gender. He like, you know, a lot of people say I talk about gender too much, but there are a hundred genders. You can be asexual or you can be biromantic. Um, so he's Night Nigel Farage, but he just talks about gender. Isn't it funny? Isn't it funny that actually non-binary people are the best. Um, so that's, uh, I can do the case. I can't do the voice yet, but, um, So Nigel Genders has come out. He's the Church of England Chief Education Officer. I don't even know why they need one of those. And he said that teaching racial justice in schools has never been more important. I've changed his voice again. But (laughs) this is the... uh, So anyway, they're teaching this bizarre white supremacy. I don't really know what this pyramid is because I just haven't even looked because it's such obvious bollocks. And he says the church's wide work on racial justice is not an attempt to reflect demographic trends in society, to be politically correct, or to engage in a culture war but it totally is all of those things, but rather it's fundamental to what we believe as Christians. What? That you believe in the white supremacy. And it just once again shows you, Toby, this is their new religion, this weird kind of pseudo, I said on GB, this is this is worse than pseudo science, it's pseudo sociology. This is up there with phrenology to me. It's like, hey guys, look at the skull sizes. It's like, look at the white supremacy pyramid. It's like, what are you talking about? It's like a South Park sketch. Look at the pyramid. It's like, what is this nonsense, Toby? Yeah, the, I, I think
1: I've looked at the white supremacy pyramid before and I, I seem to remember that it's like, um, you climb the stairs, you know, towards white supremacy and it's got a kind of like gateway white supremacy drugs like, um, watching GB news or reading Quillette. I remember that reading Quillette was, <laughs> I think, part of the white supremacy kind of, uh, stairway to hell. Uh, you reach the top of the pyramid, you're a white supremacist. Yeah. It is total nonsense clearly produced by some enormously rich NGO funded by the Ford foundation in the United States and which has crossed the Atlantic because very helpfully, um, Wokery, pokery, and all its guises, including cancel culture and authoritarian speech codes, have all been exported by America. But they haven't exported the First Amendment, so it's the worst of all possible worlds. Um, but yeah,
0: <laughs> that's it. The pyramid of white supremacy. I found one from the Equality Institute. It starts off with indifference. There are two sides to every story. Apolitical beliefs, avoiding confrontation. Politics don't affect me. That's like apparently bad minimization white saber complex not all white people not believing poc experiences denial of white privilege post-racism and then it's got veiled racism which is victim blaming racist jokes eurocentric curriculum tokenism cultural appropriation racist icons discrimination is the next one racial profiling mass incarceration wow that escalated quickly racial slurs fear of poc anti-immigration policies calls for violence this just says kkk neo-nazis burning crosses violence, lynching, hate crimes, police brutality. Then at the top, mass murder. Is this the real thing? Is this the one they're talking about?
1: No, no. no the, uh, above mass murder is genocide. Yeah, well, genocide is, the is an what-
0: arrow up the side of it. Mass murder is oh, at the top. I, I'm looking Are at a go- slightly different one. I've oh, got right.
1: genocide at the top. Mass I've got, got one that has normalization
0: beneath. at the bottom, sliding up to genocide along the sort of Y axis. And mass murder Yeah. Confederate flag suspiciously
1: close to mass murder but uh, yeah just, just below they've got um, what have they got? They've got um, predatory lending. That sounds like an anti-Semitic trope doesn't
0: it? <laughs> Usury. I mean <laughs> Usury. This, the one I've got here Toby is is the Church of England article and then has the one that I had next to it so I think it is this one. Well they, they think it's this one in the Daily Mail at least. Isn't that shocking? I should have looked at that before the show. You go from like minimization very quickly up to lynching
1: yeah. well, oh, I see. I've got uh, color blindness about halfway up the pyramid. So if you claim to be, if you, claim, if you quote Martin Luther King and say you judge people according to the content of their character, not the color of their skin, you're halfway to being a white supremacist.
0: Yeah. And I love the indifference is on the bottom of the scale. Like there are two sides to every story. Like basically being a centrist dad is like the, the first rung of white supremacy. Yeah. You know I mean? <laughs> two sides, guys.
1: I've got it's just a joke. As as a, as a, as, <laughs> as, as that's yeah, Well, you're well on the path.
0: Oh yeah. <laughs> just joking yeah.
1: guys. Just joking. Oh yeah. That's my thing, isn't it? That means you're a white supremacist. I'm probably
0: like, yeah. On this one, I'd be at veiled racism, victim blaming, racist jokes, Eurocentric colloquium. Yeah. Do all of those. Um, I don't know. Do I do tokenism and cultural appropriation? I don't think so. Racist icons. don't think I've got any racist icons in my house. Unless you count my Trump poster. Um, Toby, shushing his family again there what what's your first peak woke so <laughs> i feel so bad my, for your family my, in a
1: way my my, my first peak woke is um so this one's quite close to my heart so um uh, several branches of waterstones um claim to be stocking sharon davis's uh new book um uh, uh, we of course you know At the Free Speech Union, we hosted um, the book launch for Sharon Davis's new book. Um, So they claim to be stocking it, but uh, no one can actually find it in these branches of Waterstones that claim to be stocking it. So the suspicion is that woke staff members are hiding the book. So members of the public can't actually buy it. Pretty shocking.
0: Wow. Yeah, that's absolutely pathetic. And it wouldn't surprise me. I went into Waterstones. we, We spoke about submission by Welbeck. Of course, I've read it. But I actually gave my copy away and then I decided I want to read it again. So I thought I'll go in Waterstone's Crouch End. And I was like, there's no way they're going to have it. They did have one Welbeck book, but it was atomized. I was like, I was thinking, would they even be able to stock a book like Submission by Welbeck? I very much doubt it. And if they did, they, someone would totally hide it. Um, all right, we, we, we better get onto to another peak Woke, because Toby's family are committing the crime of enjoying their holiday. I,
1: I hope you can't hear them. Um, I've yeah, hear them a bit, all, but yeah, I feel
0: bad because I'm so sensitive to it. I'm now going to worry that your family will hate me and say, Nick's stopping us having our holiday. You know, some of them already neither. don't like me because of my pro-tate stance, although some of the lads do like me. But um, <laughs> um, but it's, uh, it's a bit of a worry. So I'm going to get on and do my next peak woke, which is this CPS nutcase, really. So a trans activist on the CPS hate crime panel called Kemi Badenock, a raging transphobe, and thinks J.K. Rowling needs to be taken down from the world. All right, well, that was peak well We got kind of interrupted by Toby's holiday, so we're just going to end because it's becoming impossible. Toby's so much of a workaholic. He's working on holiday. I feel guilty, but we, I think we've done a decent job. We've recorded a podcast despite Toby being away, which I think is a good job. So let's just go and do our reviews and... Nice reviews as always. And we thank you very much for these. And I'm, I'm going to load them any second. Um, so so is I don't know if I should read the bad ones. There's one here, Toby, that's criticizing you again for saying she when you... For m- men who have transitioned or, you know, whatever, who are obviously right, men who, right. who have... But you, they some people seem to believe you do that on purpose. I maintain that you just... you just, uh, just, I just get just confused. Get confused. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but they don't seem to believe <laughs> you. Um, I mean... This one says, Toby loves calling a bloke she almost as much as Nick loves a moan. Stay skeptical. I mean, come on. I I had a <laughs> viral bug. I was puking up. I still did the podcast, and Toby doesn't do it on purpose. Most of them are great, though. Someone says, sickness and podcasting. Very impressed that Nick did the podcast while ill, particularly so I spent two days in bed last week with sickness and the nasty D and barely moved from my bed. Listened to a podcast or two, but only when I felt slightly better. Nick is a hero. And Toby is a role model, works all hours, and even on holidays, which we proved today, and the loudest voice of reason we have during these deranged days. That's pretty nice, isn't it? That's nice, yeah. Yeah, and someone else says, valuable public service, an amusing look at our descent into madness. They can make you smile as you hurl your speaker at the wall in disgust at the insanity of modern life. I miss Jordan Peterson's valuable input, but I'm sure he'll return. Yeah, hopefully he'll return soon. And just other ones like that, someone else says. Wonderful podcasting. I think I might have read that last week. So thanks for your reviews. And quick plug for my other podcast, The Current Thing. We have an episode with a certain Mr. James Paul coming up on Friday. And very interesting crossover podcast. And it was discussed on your other podcast, Toby, London Calling. Yeah. And actually, James slightly misrepresented something I'd said. And you actually correct correctly corrected him because it was that I had, I had made that argument. When you'd made the argument, which was originally my point, which was that, James sometimes fails to apply the same skepticism to conspiracy theories as he does to the mainstream narrative. And that was the point. You were correct. He, he said it was something slightly different. Slight mm. correction there for, 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 for James on London Calling. And the other thing he said was that he thought that I thought that he didn't want to do my podcast because he was too high and mighty for it. I didn't quite think that. I thought he might hate me because I do this one with you because that's how I think and maybe I would hate me. But actually, it's good. He doesn't seem to hate me And he was happy to do the podcast. Uh, So, that was, we thank James that it was a really good podcast. And I I think it's going to be really good. James was on form and I I asked him questions, but, you know, he he answered very well. And uh, I don't want to be too aggressive. That's not my style. And, um, you know, I think it was.
1: Did he he convince you that Paul McCartney actually died in a um, motor accident in the 60s and was replaced by the fake Paul known as Fall?
0: He didn't convince me on that because he didn't really go into that one maybe he okay. can get me on that next time but he did he was pretty convincing on dinosaurs and evolution so i've come out okay. thinking they're both <laughs> bollocks and you were always right. on the
1: fence about dinosaurs and evolution i think but yeah. yeah
0: i was on the fence and um i think i should do one with you though toby just to be fair and then in that one i'll probably be convinced that it was all conspiracy it's all cock up sorry because i'm actually quite um agreeable people are surprised about that because i my whole life seems to be like taking on popular stances, But I'm actually quite an agreeable person who'll be like, oh you know, you've got a good point. Um so yeah, James, i oh, yeah, no, on I'm the current. Happy thing. to do it.
1: Happy to do it. But I'm, I'm not sure why why would anyone go to um, you know, your other podcast to hear us talking when they could hear us on this podcast. Well, but that's yeah, the only flaw.
0: It. That's the only flaw, but I'd have to get different things out of you. I'd have to dredge up the, you know, the, the get really in, into the psyche of what makes Toby Young tick. Mm. And what makes him work on holiday, despite his whole family hating. It. <laughs> but, um, anything you want to plug, Toby? Uh, just
1: want to plug um, the free speech Union. Um, you know, we're we're up to our neck in cases. At the moment, we've got over one hundred open cases. Uh, a lot of people crying out for our services we're on the point of being overwhelmed so please do join uh, support us, make a donation it's freespeechunion.org and you can join for as little as two pounds 49 a month that's the special concessionary rate for veterans students, pensioners, etc so please check out our website freespeechunion.org/ join.
0: And while we're doing that, maybe a quick plug for my Buy Me A Coffee page, which is buymeacoffee.com slash Nick Dixon. And it's just a way to support me if you want, guys, because this podcast, well, you know, I get a tiny bit from this. The current thing makes no money. It loses money because I have to employ people. And, you know, this is all, you know, this brutal culture war work being out there, defending unpopular people, getting sued. It all takes its toll. So if you fancy supporting anything I do, it's buymeacoffee.com slash NickDixon. You can find the link on my Twitter. And people have been incredibly generous. They are a link. I put it on my Substack and I mentioned it on this podcast. And they will buy you a coffee, which is massively appreciated because, you know, it is a struggle in this uh, this side of the culture war. So it's all massively appreciated. And anything else, Toby, before we go? No, I think that's it. Okay, well, enjoy what remains of your holiday. Enjoy patching up with your family. I'm so sorry, Toby's family, but the podcast has to be done. You can't miss a week. This is the nature of the beast. When they attack
1: me about it, I'm just going to say, yeah, look, I didn't want to do it. I wanted to take a week off, but Nick is just such a slave driver. He just wouldn't let me. He says, you know, we have to work through thick and thin, rain or shine, holiday or not. So yeah, and he likes Andrew Tate.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I'm sure your wife already hates me for the Tate thing, but just say that. And, and you know what? I did it when I was ill and puking. So that's why true. not? You can do it on holiday. Why not? And that's fair enough. All right. Well, thanks, Toby. And thanks for listening. And until next week, stay skeptical. Stay skeptical.